Hi, this is Mimi, and welcome to my podcast, The Lovely Becoming. Today's guest is the amazing Morgan Harper Nichols, who is a poet and author um, and speaker and just an amazing human being overall. During the recording of this interview, I made a big oopsies. I was on my way back from a trip to the beach, and I mixed up the time zones. And so this interview is going to be a little bit shorter, and I'm packing in all my questions. Um, But it is such a dream come true to be able to talk with her and interview her. So I really hope you enjoy this short interview. Tell us about yourself. What do you do? What do you love? Yeah, so I am an artist in in a lot of different ways, visual art, musician, and I also write poetry. And yeah, that's a little bit of what I do. I feel like a lot of what I do falls into (laughs) those categories in some way. Yeah, that's awesome. I am so inspired by your poetry and I um, have loved just following your journey on Instagram. It's been amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I'm always like, just so grateful for your encouragement and your kind words as well. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So where is home for you and why? Oh, I love that question. So uh, physical home, I live in the Phoenix, Arizona area, just a little bit outside of this downtown area. And I, I honestly, I'm such an introvert. I love being at home. So honestly, home is where my books are. Home is where I, I really do think that's it. It's like once, once I set up the bookshelves, I'm like, okay, this is where <laughs> I'm going to hang out for a while. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of where home is. I, I lived in a lot of places um, in Arizona's home right now. <laughs> I love that answer so much. What are you um, reading right now? Oh, I just started this book. I I found out about it via Brene Brown's podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Wonder Works, and it talks about literary inventions and things that have happened in literature that we can kind of learn from in real life. So I, it's a really thick book, but I've been enjoying that so far. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm like packing it in because I have so many questions for you. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. That means a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, so recently I know you talked about being diagnosed with autism later in life. Um, and I'd love to hear more about that. I've been a special education major, um, but I'm very curious to hear your experiences. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that about your story. Yeah. So I, when I was a kid, my, my mom, especially and my parents, they thought that it could be a possibility that I was on the spectrum, but just back in the nineties, it was very hard, especially for girls, especially for black girls to get diagnosed. So any bit of question that my mom asked at the time, a lot of it was just like, oh no, you know, she's probably fine. So it wasn't until last year that I ended up watching TikTok videos of some women talking about their experiences with getting diagnosed uh, with autism as an adult. And I was just blown away at how much it sounded like my own story. So that is what led me to pursuing a diagnosis and and that started late last year, and I was officially diagnosed about about a month and a half ago now. And yeah, it's just been such a eye-opening experience. Um, a lot of things I already knew that I dealt with, but a, a lot of a lot of things that I it's just good to have an explanation, and it's just good to have someone say, "Hey, yeah, you struggle, and and here's why, and that's okay." So. 
yeah, that's been a lot of my journey with it so far. Mm. I love that you say story a lot. And I think that's such a precious word and it really captures that human experience. Um, what was it like for you to share that publicly um, and kind of process through it privately as well? Oh, yes. That's such a good question. I I have been very grateful to have a good support system with my family. Um, a lot of people who, and this isn't specific to autism, but um, with when you have something big like that going on in your life, like some people do have family members that say, oh, nothing's wrong with you. Like, don't listen to those doctors or whatever. And that that just breaks my heart that people have that experience. And thankfully I did not, I don't have that experience. And I also have a sister who has Tourette syndrome and just um, her, her diagnosis process, everything she's been through. I think my family has just been, we're just more open to those conversations maybe because it's just been a part of, I mean, my sister was diagnosed when she was, I think nine years old. So it's been a very, you know, the conversations of things going on neurologically has been a part of our family for a very long time. And even with my husband, just very similarly, I mean, we're just, we talk about things all the time. So it, I'm just very grateful that I have, I have family that is supportive. I, I, I don't take that for granted at all. And then the thing that it was interesting, I, I went back and forth with, how if I was even going to share it because I didn't want it to be like I was like oh I don't know I'm I don't like talking about myself <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like well this is a big thing about yourself so if you're gonna talk about it it's probably gonna be a thing so I I actually ended up sharing it outside of my family for the first time <laughs> I was in I was actually you know in a meeting about something like a brainstorming meeting about my book and I was trying to tell the story about my life and I was just like this story does not even make sense anymore without me talking about the diagnosis I was like it explains the whole thing so that was the first time I ended up kind of blurting it out actually and it was just the support that I got in that moment was just so honestly just surprising so I just didn't know what to expect and you know again just it's you know that's vulnerability you just never know you never know what's going to happen when you share so the thing that ultimately motivated me to share it publicly was just thinking about the TikTok videos that I saw I was like those videos help me suffer a little less those videos help me find answers so I feel like it's my duty to pass it on, even though it's super hard to talk about this. It's so hard to talk about myself. <laughs> I don't <laughs> enjoy that naturally, but I'm going to do it because I know that I know what it's meant in my life when other people have been open about what they're going through. So, yeah, and I've I've had quite a few moments now of people telling me via email that what I shared helped them and even some people help help them get the courage to pursue a diagnosis for themselves. Mm. I love that a lot. I think people really connect with our truths and our stories. And when we're honest with ourselves and others, there's something really magical that happens. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> so true. It's so, it's so hard to do, but yeah. it's just, yeah, and those moments where you where you do have someone say, thank you for sharing that, like that made such a difference for me. You really realize it's worth it. 
absolutely. What boundaries do you set around social media and how do you kind of manage all the people sharing with you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've actually gone back and forth with this a lot and I'll do it for a little bit, then I'll stop, but I'm kind of in it right now again, where I only have social media on my computer or my iPad. So I've taken it off my phone and it's still, I mean, it's still there. I mean, especially cause I'm, I'm around my iPad quite a bit during the day at least, but having that separation is just really good for me um, because I keep my iPad on my desk. So it's very much so, okay, when I'm on social media, it's kind of like with the intention of, okay, I'm connecting with the outside world, you know? So I don't really use social media a ton for my personal life. Like I, it's, and that part wasn't really strategic. I just feel like it's a lot to keep up with, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm not like, I, I never set out like, I'm going to be really private. Like some people that is their intention, they set out that way. But for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I just don't know how to keep up with it all. Like I, I'm like, I'm going to post this photo of us on Easter. And I'm like, oh, wait, Easter was yesterday. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. You missed that. Um, so <laughs> a lot of it is just me being overwhelmed and forgetting to, to share. So as a result, I ended up kind of creating a boundary that I wasn't even trying to. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's 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 tough out there. You know, the internet is a really interesting place, as we all know. And <laughs> and I do think I hesitate to say a positive side of my anxiety, but I do think that because I end up being more high alert, just as a person, just as someone who deals with anxiety, it is very. I'm very cautious about like what I share or like what I choose to engage in. Um, what comment sections I decide to read. <laughs> I I kind of say it like, do you have the space for that right now? You don't. So <laughs> just keep scrolling. <laughs> so I will say that I think that is a strength of mine. It's something I'm working on strengthening even more and more because it's more apps being added all the time, more posts being posted all the time. It's impossible to, to keep up with it all. So yeah, that's definitely something that's on my mind a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. I think sometimes accidental boundaries are so great. Oh, I love that. You're so right. Yeah, that's so well said. <laughs> they just keep you going, which is good. <laughs> yes. Um, what are your earliest memories around writing poems? Oh, um, I think it's interesting because I may have written poems when I was really young, but I was mostly into writing stories. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until... I was in high school that I think I was reading more poetry for assignments that I began to try to write my own, but I wouldn't go back and even read any of those poems and <laughs> wouldn't let anyone else read them either. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It just felt like something that I was interested in and drawn in. I, I grew up in a preacher's kid home, my parents, pastors and Growing up reading the Bible, I was always, I always gravitated toward the middle of the Bible, which is Psalms and Proverbs, because they were broken up to me as a kid like poems. So I think I was just always interested in this concept of, of words being spaced out and just being able to pace yourself through it. So yeah, my, my earliest memories of poetry, it's kind of all over the place a little bit. Um, and then 
It was a pretty pivotal moment when I was 14, and that was when I was in the library, and I just ended up on the poetry aisle, and I opened up a book of poems by, um, by I think it was just like an anthology, and I ended up on a T.S. Eliot poem um, called For the Love of Alfred J. Prufrock, and it was just something about that poem that just made me feel really seen, and I didn't even really fully understand it, but the last bit of the poem just, I was like, I want to be a part of that. Whatever that is, I want to try. So from that point to literally like the next 14 years was just me going back and forth between if that was going to be something that I actually tried to do or not. So I'm I'm still questioning whether I'm a poet or not, but <laughs> I'm still like, is this poetry? Is it? Um, but yeah, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. That's, I think doubt kind of sticks with us forever in one way or another. But I think that's okay. I think uh-huh. it it gives us something to keep thinking about and sifting through and, and wondering. So I think that's, while it feels uncomfortable with anxiety, I think it's good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's the, the beauty of art is that it gives us the opportunity to turn doubts and fears and anxieties into something more than that. Um, You know, when I even think about just this past year and everything that we have been through as humans over the past year, and if you just break down the layers of that, it just gives more complicated with race and socioeconomic class and all of those things. It's like when you think about all the things that humans have been through over the past year, I mean, I'm like, I don't know how I could have gotten through what I've gone through without having some kind of outlet you know it's especially when you can't just say like oh I'll just take a trip somewhere or you know I'll just go hang out with all my people it's like all those things are taken away so I just think that yeah for me art as much as it is about I love to make products and things I love to share it it's it is a part of my mental health practice I mean absolutely is yes yeah, creating can be so helpful and stress relieving. Um, I love that so much. Yeah, same here. Um, I came to your event last year, um, Honesty Over Perfection. Yay. It was so fun. <laughs> Seems like forever ago. Wow. Right? It was like before. That was yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> right. It's crazy. What does yeah. honesty over perfection mean? Uh, yes, it's, it's, I feel like honesty is what happens when you realize that you're not going to reach perfection. <laughs> and you realize that, wait a second, maybe my dreams are going to look different than I thought they were. Or maybe the timeline is going to look different. Maybe the final product's going to look a little different. And it's that moment that you take a deep breath and exhale and say, it's okay. It's okay, though. Like, I think that's what honesty is. It's like being exactly where you are and telling the truth without having to put the pieces together. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yes. (laughs) I've been practicing my paraphrasing in therapy, so. (laughs) That's great. That's great. That was so poetic. (laughs) Thank you. Um, tell us about family and how do you find balance and grace for yourself in motherhood? Um, yeah. 
Yes, I feel like I have the most cliche answer, but it's just taking it day by day. I it's very hard because it's like when you you look at this little person, you're just like, oh, my gosh, like I want to like make sure you have all the best and let me plan ahead and everything. But it's just you kind of have to really just trust the timing and 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 recognize that a lot of it is just being present and and like one one example is like I just feel like my my son like kind of eats whenever he wants to eat. <laughs> we try <laughs> we try I mean we try really hard. I mean we've watched all the videos, we've done everything. Like okay, how do you you know get this little fella to eat on <laughs> schedule? And it's just sometimes little things like that that I think you know, maybe parents in general can get really anxious about like, oh my gosh, like we're not on schedule. We're not on schedule. We're not on schedule. So I just have to give myself a lot of like, hey, it's okay. You know, he doesn't know about clocks yet. You know, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't even know about the word, you know, like lunch, brunch, breakfast. Like he's just hearing, he just got here. Like he's just hearing this stuff for the first time. Like (laughs) I've been hearing it for decades at this point and that's okay. So yeah, a lot of it is that. And then even just, recognizing that we as grownups and a lot of it comes from having to work really hard to pay the bills and having to do so many things. Like we put so much pressure on ourselves to follow, you know, strict schedules. And, and I was even thinking, uh, me and my husband were talking about this the other day. I was like, I hope that one of the positive things that can come out of this past year is more people recognizing when they need to take a sick day. Like, I feel like so many people, it's so sad. Like, feel like we're like, can I even take time off if I'm not feeling well? I, I just want to live in a world where we're not having to ask that question. And we're able to say like, no, I need this sick day. I need this time. And yeah, unfortunately, that's just not how <laughs> things are for a lot of people. And I'm just trying to, again, I'm like, that's what I, that's what I hope though. I hope that we can all continue to get to that place. Cause I feel the pressure all the time. I and mean, we have an online shop and we run a business like from our garage and we have all these things going on. So the pressure is there to, okay, like you got to keep the lights on, keep going, keep going. But it's like, you're also a human being and you can only do so much, like do what you can. And I think that has been a huge phrase for me right now. And what grace looks like is like, do what you can. And then look back at the day and say like, you did what you could do. Like, it's so simple. Do what you can, you did what you could do. It's, it's not a deep poetic phrase, <laughs> but I have to remind myself of that daily. I think it's interesting that, kind of like what you mentioned that kids don't really have a concept of time, but they have a Mm -hmm. concept of what their bodies need and ask for. And that's so beautiful that they don't have to listen to an outside indicator, but an inside one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that, it's that internal clock. It's, and that's what that's fascinating about, you know, watching my little one is that he, he does have like, it's like he does know when he's hungry and he lets us know. And I just find that that's so fascinating that at such a young age, it's like, yeah, our body tells us things. And the older we get, I think we 
for, you know, it's, it's just harder sometimes to stay in rhythm with that. And, and I don't think that's un, un, to blame the individual. You know, I think it's, you have to consider everything that the average person goes through and all the pressure that they have on themselves. So that's why I think it's, it's important that we're gracious with each other, with every aspect of our lives, because it's so much bigger than us, the good and the bad. And, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it can take time to kind of remember those internal rhythms and slow down and pay attention to those things. And, and that's totally okay. Absolutely. I love that word rhythm. I think it really speaks to life. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what advice would you give to aspiring writers and storytellers? Mm, I would say that you need places where you feel free to share what you're writing and you feel safe to share a safety first, I would say actually, and also just free to express without worrying about likes or follows or comments. And I was, I, I, the first time I shared my writing on the internet is when I was, I mean, I would just barely get a few words together, but it was through a, it was a forum called young writer society. And when I think about that, I'm like, wow, the younger generation, they miss out on a lot of that. They have to go right to like Instagram and TikTok. And while I think those those places are great and I use them to get your work out there, I don't think that's the best place to start. I think you need a place where you can share with other people, where it's just, whether it's just a few friends or it is like and a forum that might not look as cool as, you know, as Instagram or whatever. But I think it's important that we have spaces that we can share. And then on top of that, if you're just like, well, I don't know what to start, just start writing for one person at a time. Um, write, write letters to your friends. And then if you feel the courage to share it, then share it. Um, yeah, it's, it's so important that we have places to share that don't, start off with like, okay, let me log into this platform where there's billions of people active right now. I think that's stop, that stops a lot of people from even trying to write to begin with, because there's this concept of like, oh, well, I got to share it with everyone. It's like, or you can just start with one person at a time. You could just start sharing with a few people at a time. And in doing that, you're going to build confidence to be able to share your work more and also refine your craft as well. Mm, that's good. I think that's so true that it's a different world. <laughs> um, being able to have access to so many people can be really great, but also mm. just a lot overwhelming on our bodies and our minds. And it is really nice to have just a small group of people and get that feedback from them. Yes. Oh, that's so, it's so good. And I feel like I, I have that on like a one-on-one -on -one level. So when I'm writing for people who send me emails and DMs, like it's, that's the only interaction I'm focusing on is that one-on-one. -on -one. And then, you know, then that's when, from there is when I start to share things more publicly. Mm, that's good. Um, what are your favorite foods? I love macaroni and cheese, mm. like in all shapes and sizes, <laughs> especially my mom's. Um, and my husband makes really good mac and cheese, too. Yeah, I mm. love, love mac and cheese. And then branching out from there, pasta. I mean, pasta is just a lovely thing. Um, there's yes. a lot you can do with that. Love pastas. Um, 
And I'm also, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like I just, I like snacks, like yes. hummus and pita chips and pretzels. I guess I'm really into savory, I guess you could say. Like, I love love some savory, crunchy snacks. <laughs> Ooh, I love snacks, too. And pasta. All different shapes. Yes. <laughs> All the pastas. And my last question, um, how are you blooming and becoming? Mm, I do think I am becoming more vulnerable and... <sighs> slightly more courageous in sharing my story. I, I like I said, I I do not like to just talk about myself. I'll talk about myself like a metaphor, but I'm not really good at just coming out with it and saying, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. And I would say that over the past year, I have become increasingly more and more vulnerable and I'm grateful for it because I think that that has ripple effects and that has the ability to help other people be vulnerable. Um, so that's what keeps me going. You know, I'm like, if, if something I say can help someone else, even talk about something completely different, but they're just like, wow, she shared that. Like not knowing what's going to happen. Maybe I can share this. Like, even if that's, even if it's something totally different. So yeah, I feel like I've been thinking about that a lot. And, and as a result, that's been helping me kind of be more vulnerable and, and share more. And I think that's how I'm how I'm blooming right now. I love that. And I'm so excited um, for your next book and all the things you're going to write. Um, and so appreciate your time. Oh, well, thank you. I, I enjoyed all of the lovely questions and thoughts that you had. And yes, thank you as well.